Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is here to guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you. This week, I am joined by my coworker and friend, Nevin DeCrew. Nevin is an innovation consultant at TCU's Human Centered Design Institute Idea Factory and a writer and public speaker. Nevin and I first met working for Idea Factory together and quickly learned that our passions were very similar. <laughs> Both of us believe in making the world a better place and helping others do the same through writing and public speaking. Nevin's work centers primarily around happiness and how to find and create happiness in our daily lives. I'm so glad the two of us were able to sit down and have this conversation together. These kinds of conversations are the kinds of things Nevin and I chit chat about in our free time and in between work meetings and stuff. So it was just such a joy to be able to record this one and share it with you guys. If you want to learn more about Nevin and his work, you can follow him on Instagram at Nevin underscore DeCrew or visit his website www.nevindecrew.com. This really was just so fun. I always enjoy chatting with Nevin. So let's take a deep breath and get started. Hi, Nevin. Hello, Reese. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Good. Good, good, good. Good to hear that. So if there was one word to describe just like how you're feeling right now, any word that comes to mind, how how are you doing on this lovely Monday morning? I feel content. Oh, good. Let's feel like that's a cliche word to use in this situation, but things are good. Good. Not overly excited, just hanging out. So things are good. What about you? Mm, no one's asked me that questions back. Um, <laughs> and I should probably have an answer. I would say excited. I think cool. I I just feel like today is going to be a good day, and this is going to be a good week. I'm excited to be talking with you. Thank so, you for having me on. Uh, absolutely. As soon as um, we started talking about like. The, our shared interests and stuff mm-hmm. like this. I was like, Nevin would be perfect. I want to hear his take on everything. Um, so I always start with asking anyone I have on their story. So whatever that means to you, okay. I would love to hear your story. Yeah, so I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I grew up there, lived there all my life actually until I moved to college. But I'm the youngest of four siblings in my family and they all lived all across the country when I was growing up. So I think that fueled my interest in traveling to go see them. Mm. And also potentially fueled my desire to move out of state for college. So I moved far across the country to go to to school in Texas. Um, uh, Sports have always played a big impact in my life. You know, I grew up, I watched my oldest brother play professional hockey. So I always was intrigued by that and sports as a whole. So I played baseball and basketball and golf growing up. Still run track now. But... As far as school and my other, I guess I'm graduated now, so I can't say that anymore. But <laughs> yeah, my interests now, my pursuits are around health and wellness and happiness. Uh, I think those things are very important to me and they've had an impact on my life and 
going forward, I just want to help others maximize those things in their life too. So their lives too. So that's what I am intending on doing with myself and whatever routes that takes me. I love that. So what do you think it is that draws you to that world of like helping other people find Mm -hmm. happiness and fulfillment? Yeah. So I remember in high school, I started reading this book called The Secret. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a self-help book, right? And that was the first one self-help book that I had read and it kind of opened my mind to this this possibility that there's more out there I can live a free and exciting life and just trust in the fact that good things are going to happen for me yeah and my dad had this whole shelf of personal growth and self-help books so I just started with that one and then got into it more but as I read more and learned more and opened my perspectives I realized that I am in control of my life and where it's going and should then try to maximize my experience with life Mm. and I say that a lot like maximizing life experience and that's what I try to do in my own life and it's opened me up to just new forms of fulfillment and excitement and I want to share that then with others because we all deserve to live a life that is the best and whatever that means to us each person and I just want to help others get to that in their own life no absolutely and I agree with that 100% I mean sharing even just stories and stuff like this I think you never know what's going to be that thing that could bring someone closer to Mm -hmm. that or help them find that so I really like that you use this word maximize because it also implies that it's it's not like these people are lacking anything Mm -hmm. already right like this potential is already in them it's just expanding what that looks like um so when you say maximize happiness, what does happiness look like for you? I, I don't want to ask you for a definition because that seems kind of rigid, but tell me more about that. Okay. Well, I will give you a definition of what it means in terms of my perspective. And like, okay. this is very subjective and sure. very from person to person. But for me, happiness is pursuing fulfillment at the intersection of presence and gratitude. I had that one ready to go. I've yeah. used that before. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> presence and gratitude are things that have helped me in my life just one stay in the moment, but also mm. shift my perspective to being thankful for everything that's in my life, even yeah. the things that aren't necessarily ideal. Uh, it's just, if you can find a reason to be appreciative for everything that happens to you, I like to say you just win because nothing can hold you down for that long, at least. Yeah. And. So I had like the two parts of presence and gratitude in my head and I was like, I feel like there's something missing. Like there needs to be some sort of actionable thing I can go do to add to that. So the pursuing fulfillment thing for me is the thing I can do on top of the mindsets, I guess, to actually make an actionable difference in the world. So that's what happiness means to me. What did you ask me? What was the original question? Yeah, no, no, no. That was perfect. (laughs) Exactly. Like kind of what happiness looks like for you. So how did you come to, I I really love this notion of the intersection of presence Mm. and gratitude. Um, I I have kind of a twofold question, I can repeat it, but how did you come to understand those two things? And also my follow-up question is, how do you practice gratitude Mm. in in a daily sense and for the hard things, like you said? Okay, yeah, so... I came to the gratitude and presence thing through a lot of the things I would read and maybe like other podcasts I'd listen to. Yeah. Just hearing other people's experiences. And there's a sequel to the book, The Secret, that I was talking about called The Magic. 
Oh. And it's all I about gratitude. That. I remember I read that in 2019, the summer of 2019, and it was just how to use gratitude in different contexts, how to make them the practices part of your daily life. Yeah. And so I realized that was a very powerful tool. And also just for general happiness, a lot of people just cite mindfulness and right. being present, slowing down. So it's like if I can put those two things together, I feel like that's a powerful combination. It's simple yeah. but very powerful that I can build off of. And then as far as how I use gratitude, I first of all, I try to bookend my days with gratitude. So I have a journal that I, in the morning, will write down three things I'm grateful for. And also the reasons why mm. I'm grateful for them, not just the things. And then I do the same thing at night, three things. Normally like three things that were like went well in my day. Yeah. Um, and I really try to feel the gratitude. I don't just read it and say it. I try to sit there for a moment and appreciate it. Yeah. And think about how my life is better, even in a very small way because right. of certain things. And sometimes I write down that I'm grateful or I'm excited about or grateful for breakfast or coffee or something. Yeah. Very simple. Sometimes it's more you know, deep than that, meaningful, but it's going to be very simple. And another way I've started using gratitude is, you know, certain times in certain days, not everything goes the way you want it, goes the way you want it to go. Right. And I have started normally at night closer to before I go to bed, I will give thanks or find some weird reason to be grateful for the things that didn't go particularly well. Mm -hmm. Look for a lesson in there, look for a way it made me more patient or helped me grow in some capacity. And so that's what I do to practice gratitude on a daily basis. And I think it's important to note that I don't suggest using gratitude as a defense mechanism to like not feel this bad emotions. Because there's value in those too. And I don't want to suggest that you just try to block those out and ignore them. with gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've, I try to do the gratitude practice for the, non-ideal things at night because it gives me a chance during the day to feel the things understand Mm. how I'm feeling and even if I like wait a day or two to think about why I'm grateful for something not going well it helps me to understand how I'm feeling how it affected me without just trying to gloss over the the bad yeah like oh well don't feel the negative feeling Mm -hmm. I should be grateful for this because there's a lesson in here so bottle up that negativity or negativity but like the unpleasant feeling until yeah no I think that makes a lot of sense and I think there's just so much value in appreciating everything that life has to offer because then it's almost like give me what you got you know Mm -hmm. and then life can throw anything at you and you're kind of ready for it definitely um, so this notion of presence, mm-hmm. I feel like that as well as kind of what you're saying about like feeling the feeling and letting it go has a lot of like Buddhist sounding practices mm-hmm. and influence. Is that kind of a part of your approach, maybe influenced by that a little bit, or is it just kind of coincidental that that's there? I'd say it's more coincidental. Okay. I don't have any particular familiarity with Buddhism or Eastern practices necessarily. I know it's very closely tied with meditation and the sort of presence that a lot of those religions and spiritual theories Mm -hmm. include. Right. But I've been studying them more and more. Not a lot, but it helps to give context to what I'm doing, I think. Yeah. And, but no, I don't really concentrate on that or the reasons for that when I'm doing those doing practices. That? Yeah. So when you've kind of 
developed these practices, have they shifted and changed over time? Or have you felt like, oh, I should adopt this and it's like right away or not right away, but over adopting these practices, you're like, these actually really are working. How have they shifted and changed? What does that look like for you? Okay. I, well, first of all, I started out with meditation and presence, well, presence via meditation and just in the morning or sometime during the day, I just meditate and try to be very present in the moment, focusing on just the sensations around me and not letting thoughts, the other thoughts come in there and stress me out or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's been a journey of getting better at that because it's definitely a practice. You don't just wake up and be good at it. And then people get discouraged a lot because they think they're going to be great at this practice. They know all the benefits of it. It's easy to do nothing, right? Yeah. And then three minutes in, their thoughts come creeping back and they're like, oh, I should never do that again. But (laughs) it's not about that. It's about learning and getting better at it over time and just using it as a tool. Mm -hmm. And so over time, it's gone from just something I do in the mornings to focus my day, I guess, to being more of something I use throughout the day. Mm. And trying, I'm not perfect at this, nobody really is, but trying to use presence to make the most of the moments in the day because there are a lot of good things, whether it's just eating food, you make, you enjoy it more if you're present to it, Mm, mm -hmm. whether it's that or some experience or a conversation with somebody. If you're in the moment, it just enhances what it means to you and your enjoyment for it. And so I've been trying to get better at being present in the day, not letting you know, thoughts of the past or worries about the future creep in. Sure. And naturally that happens, but it's all about bringing the mind back to the present moment. So yeah, that's where I'm at now. I love that. And it's kind of this constant pursuit mm. of presence and like awareness and consciousness kind mm. of in that moment. I think that makes a lot of sense. Have you found anything that helps you do that more throughout the day? Or is it really just this practice makes perfect, not perfect, practice makes progression, I guess. The thing that's helped me the most is just setting my intention to be present. So if you, I've approached it from the sense that if you just, or if I just want to be present, I just need to be in the present moment. And it's like, that's a good thing to want to do. But if you really make it your intention to be present, it helps you recenter yourself when your mind naturally slips away. Mm. And I've said before, I don't know to who, I've just said it to myself, I guess, that (laughs) something that, the thing that separates a a master at presence in a novice is not that their mind doesn't slip away. It's just that they can bring it back Mm. to the present moment every time. And it's just having the intention of, okay, things are going to happen. My mind's going to shift focus. But if I can have the awareness of myself to bring it back to the present moment, that's going to... That's the ticket. Yeah. There you go. I love that. So you also mentioned that this is like a tool that you use Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. kind of maximizing happiness, pursuing Mm -hmm. fulfillment. Um, Do you have any other tools? So obviously your gratitude journaling, kind of this daily meditative Mm -hmm. practice. Yeah. So something that helps me deal with non-ideal emotions. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I phrased it that way, but just things that you, more negative Unpleasant emotions. Is journaling. I just maybe like write down a short prompt or question about why I'm feeling a certain way or what I can do about it necessarily and just write my thoughts down for a while because I've noticed that a lot of fears or anxieties or whatever is getting me down will go away if I 
simply put it on paper and get my thoughts out there about it. Mm. And it's just having the clarity because I think the confusion about emotions to me makes them harder to overcome or feel more daunting. But having yeah. some sort of clarity, and I find that through writing things down, writing my feelings down, right. and just trying to see if there's some way I can take action upon it to make the situation better. And if not, trying to let go of it, which isn't always easy to do, but right. just knowing that maybe I should let go of it. Yeah. I just need to just <laughs> have a sense of what I need to do about my feelings and emotions. Um, another interesting tool that I've found and use often is thinking about this this is something you have to do before you use this, but like think about what like the highest version of yourself looks like in mm. very that's gonna change based on the aspect of life you're considering, but if you can have an idea of what it looks like to you to be living your best life, whether it's in terms of health, in terms of your career, in terms of your relationships or even financially, or just having some concept of what your best life looks like. And then once you have that, you can kind of go forward. And if something, a negative thought or a doubt or something creeps into your mind, you can revert back to living from the the perspective of your highest self. Yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's like um, visualization, mm-hmm. right? Like visualizing your highest self and then trying to show up as that person, yeah. right? Yeah. Kind of. Um yeah, and if you feel like you're reverting back to not your highest self or best self, then it's kind of this checkpoint or benchmark to be like, okay, I know that this is where I want to be, who I want to be, the life I want to live. What are the steps that are going to take me closer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And that's something that I think, I mean, I don't know if you've had this experience or not, but for me, when I've kind of set this intention of, okay, I'm going to show up today as my best self, it really changes my, like, confidence Mm -hmm. and, like, the energy that I feel like I bring to things. Because just flipping that switch in your mind of, I'm not the not good enough Reese right now. I am the good enough Reese already. Yeah, right? Yeah. And... I've thought about this myself, that how can I focus on being somebody in the future, like achieving something that's achieved my goals already? How can I focus on that mindset now? Because I'm not there currently, maybe. Sure. But something that's helped me is realizing that whenever you achieve your goals, it's still you. Mm -hmm. It's you with more experience or more honed abilities or more knowledge, but it's still you. And if you realize that, realize that where you're, and kind of use that to meet you where you are now yeah it gives you more confidence in the fact that okay i can do that it's still me doing that yeah even if it's just in my mind right now but it's still you doing it and it gives you confidence yeah it's still you that has that potential Mm -hmm. so that's really interesting and i've never quite thought about it in that kind of lens um so when you say it's still you or it's still me Mm -hmm. how do you conceptualize your sense of self what does that look like when you think of who is the me that is me right now that is also that highest version of myself Mm -hmm. how do you kind of put those pieces together what does self kind of mean to you Mm. You that's also like a very kind of vague question so answer however you like yeah so to me I always want to strive to 
be genuine to who I am and what I view myself as is just something that helps others to where they want to go. I know I said that already, but helps others sure. to you know, maximize their own lives. And in every action, I feel like, especially dealing with others, you can make it your goal to, you know, shine some sort of light on their lives yeah. as well. And just, even if it's in a small way, you never know how that's going to make a difference. So I try to view myself as just a light for others, like to, I don't know if I always, it's hard to live up to that in every situation, I know, but if you make I know, that, yeah. like that's my intention. I talk a lot about my intentions with things, I guess, but that's... No, I think that's great, because also that honors, like, the fact that you're not always... Mm-hmm. You're always going to fall short. Yeah. You know, everyone is. So, the, I I use the word intention a lot, too. But it honors, like, you're striving for something. Yeah. And I was saying that, to get to the point, that that's how I at least want to hold myself yeah. and view myself. And I know if I do that, as much as I can in my day-to-day life that it will take me from where I am to where I want to go Mm. and kind of having those little goals or little values you try to uphold uh, will take you a long way I think yeah and I've seen that in my life and I think others can if you just hold on to something small because small action whether it's a mental action or a physical action compounded over time lead to very big results so it's less daunting to think of achieving all of your wildest dreams in one step, or I'm sorry, in many steps rather than just one step. So knowing that I can build on where I am now to get to where where I want to go by just upholding some values yeah, is a way I try to make that easier. Yeah, well, and kind of have that reassurance for yourself. So it sounds like your selfhood is very much tied to what you feel your purpose is, mm-hmm. that like... Nevin is yeah. this light for others to that help sounds... others. No, no, that's lovely. I think <laughs> that's you. a beautiful, beautiful Thank thing. You. I'm honestly, I feel the same way. I'm like, my job here is to try mm. and help other people yeah. in some sense. So I think that's beautiful, actually. Mm. Um, but I think that's very interesting that you feel the most aligned with who you are. Mm-hmm. When you're in that, it also is a very active thing for you. Yeah. You've talked a lot about wanting to take these mindsets and make them active and put mm-hmm. like energy behind them to yeah. actually do something. So that purpose is really, really big for you. Have you always felt that sense mm-hmm. of purpose or is that developed over time? It's developed and I'd say rather recently, mm. actually within the past year or two, I... I was always ambitious as kids are growing up to do things, but it was kind of misguided for me. I don't know, not directed, let's put it that way. It wasn't misguided. I just didn't have a clear purpose for a while. Gotcha. And I came to college. I wanted to build airplanes, so I majored in engineering. and that I'm not laughing at building airplanes. (laughs) That's a valuable thing. (laughs) I'm just imagining you. Not yeah. doing this is silly to me because I've only known you. Since yeah, exactly. This has been kind of your passion, mm-hmm. so yeah. But two months into that, I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to do, and I changed a major. Originally, I tra- tried to change to business. This is a funny story, actually. I tried. To, I went on my college portal thing and tried mm-hmm. to change to business, 
And at this point, I already dropped my engineering class, changed away from engineering. So I was just trying to get into the business school, but I didn't know there was a process for doing that. So I just requested <laughs> access and got denied. And I was like, college is over. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I was a freshman, two months into college. I was like, college it's over. College is over. My life yeah, is ruined. But then I talked to my advisor and I figured it all out. But then I switched to business. And honestly, at this point, I just graduated with a business degree. And business doesn't necessarily excite me that, that much. Yeah. The concept of what business can do and how you can use it is exciting. Valuable skills. But I didn't necessarily have the best time sitting in my supply chain class thinking about those things. Yeah. So over time, as I was trying to figure out, one, what I should major in, and two, how I can use that beyond college to do things, right. I started questioning my own motivations and what mm. I was excited by. And I, I want to say what I'm passionate about. But once again, that sounds like a cliche thing. And I think what's valuable for sure, but to figure that out, for me at least, I just think about what gives me the most enthusiasm and excitement. Mm. And those things I find are my passions. Yeah. And if to me, if I can find a way to make a passion of mine a route to help others, that makes it exciting for me, but also fulfilling because I'm helping somebody else's life. Right. So in doing that, I was like, ooh, I've always been into health and wellness. And yeah. more recently than that, happiness as a, another piece of it. So those excite me. I like learning about those and right. producing content or writing about them and or just like giving or talking to people about conversations yeah. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Just learning about that more. So I found a way to channel that into also helping others, whether it's through like a podcast like this, because I think yeah. what you're doing reaches a lot of people and that's that's great. Thank you. Of course. But yeah, so that's how I've developed it. Just realizing what excites me and being more conscious about thinking about those things rather than mm. just doing random things. And then looking for ways to make those help others and make yeah. their lives better. Not just letting life happen to mm -hmm. you. That is really what that sounds like. Yeah. I also want to go back to a word that I really latched on to that you used in the beginning, which was questioning. Hmm. That that was kind of how this process started for you yeah. is you were like, okay, now I'm questioning what does excite me? What energizes mm -hmm. me? What like gets me going? And I just think that that's so noble and brave and something that so few people actually do is like slow down, look at your day to day and just like think why, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, definitely. and then just continually asking why is so important. So do you think that that kind of questioning and that process came about for you because, you know, you had this experience where you were like, oh, no, college is over. I got denied to the business school, <laughs> even though you like hadn't even applied. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we all have moments yeah. like that because it was kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do. Kind of forced into this. I have to question mm -hmm. everything or. Has that always been kind of an instinctual thing where you're just kind of a naturally curious person? And so this was just like a next natural step to question mm -hmm. your own life. Yeah, so I was going to use the word curious before mm. you even asked. But okay. I've always been curious, but not internally. You know, I haven't been introspective until more lately, Okay. I guess. So I'd always like want to know why things would be a certain way is growing up or even into high school and early part of college I just question things in life. Yeah. But once again I tie it back to my all the self help books I've read yeah. over time. But they just 
challenge you to be introspective in new ways. Yeah. And I really just started, like, after I read a chapter, I just started thinking about questions that would come up mm-hmm. related to that or something to help me better understand myself, my values, my beliefs, what I want to happen. Yeah. You know? And over time, that's led to a more, I don't want to say intense, but more calculated practice of journaling to learn stuff about myself sure i have this sounds so weird but i have a google doc entitled introspection where i just like write stuff about myself like major insights i find i just write it in there and you asked me about my my enneagram type my personality thing and i pulled up this document to like reference it and i was like let me tell you hold on i have this and you were like i know this is weird and i'm like i think that's super cool but i mean clearly i'm into this stuff so yeah no definitely definitely a niche audience yeah yeah yeah, for sure sure. (laughs) that is so awesome I love that so another thing that like you kind of keep referencing all of this information that you've learned from these self-help books yeah and a little bit ago you said that like your dad has this bookshelf full of them Mm -hmm. so is that something that you kind of picked up from your dad are your parents big kind of introspective people and you feel like you've developed this or is it more just like your dad just likes self-help and that yeah I'm I'm curious to hear how like maybe the way you were raised or if that had anything to do with this path you're now on yeah so growing up I don't know if we were me and my siblings were exposed to like the idea of self-help or these I don't know the books were always there right and like growing up for a while I was like that's kind of funny like all these random books about all these topics. My dad yeah. would read them and, like, I think keep the insights to himself. Not, like, he didn't want to share them with us. He was just, like, more quietly reading these books. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, a point of discussion. Yeah, no, exactly. And same for my mom. I feel like her and I have more interesting conversations about these things mm-hmm. lately because I'm very open about how I'm reading these books. And, yeah. Like, I read, like, certain books several times if they have a meaning on me or yeah. an impact on me. Yeah. But... The conversations were never really, it wasn't talked about at dinner. Right. What drives us. But. <laughs> what introspective insight have yeah, you had today? I think more recently, I've because I've been more into it, I have better conversations with them and asking questions that I probably wouldn't have before mm. about the things they like to do or how they're feeling in certain instances. Yeah. But it's evolved. It was never like a common practice I guess yeah, but, but it was kind in of certain like, situations sure yeah. this thing where it was there maybe subliminally or contextually mm-hmm. and so you pick up on it and now yeah. that you know you're older you can kind of have those conversations with your parents have you found that that has changed your relationship mm-hmm. with them at all yeah definitely it's it's allowed us to be more vulnerable mm. with one another and that's a key part to developing connections in my opinion yeah and especially with my siblings as well they were I'm the youngest of them by eight years so one is 14 years older than me one is 12 years older and one's eight years older yeah and it was a slight disconnect growing sure. up just because of the age difference but more recently I've been able to talk with them more about not always like deep things but approach them with more understanding and be able to have more mature conversations with yeah. them yeah and especially with my sister, her and I are very close, and we just she reads like similar books and yeah. listens to podcasts, and we like talk about things over coffee occasionally. As I love that two kids scream in the background, but yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's allowed us to be more vulnerable with everybody 
in my family. And yeah. because of that, our relationships have grown at least in a small way. Yeah. Sounds like they've deepened a little bit. Definitely. Maybe. Yeah. That's really wonderful. And I think that's another really cool thing about work like this and developing these like independent practices is that even though this is something that obviously you're doing for yourself, because you're working on yourself and you're constantly improving yourself, it's indirectly but also very explicitly helping the people around you, mm-hmm. whether that's dramatic or, th- like you said, these little small things mm-hmm. that could open someone's eyes to something. Definitely. And you never even know. Yeah, I think it's important to fill yourself up in mm. terms of how you're feeling or just learning about yourself and putting yourself in a good position to then help others because whatever state you're in reflects on the people around you. Yeah. And if you're generally stressed and unhappy people around you're going to feel that energy you give off but if you can you know change your i don't want to say change yourself but like optimize yeah your maximize yeah your state to be one of just calmness or peace or yeah some sort of positive force you help the people around you too and it's not necessarily a bad thing to take time to focus on yourself that's a very widely used phrase but doing it with the intent to then help others because of it is a very valiant goal, I think. Yeah, I agree, 100%. So I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. Please do. Um, because I, when I have conversations like this, in the back of my head, I'm always like, I feel like, for me, these questions have also always kind of been in the context of spirituality and okay. what a higher power means, because I think purpose is so tied to that. And I think that goes for anyone with any kind of spiritual practice or Mm. not. I think that like atheistic people or agnostic people still very much have this connection to something bigger than themselves, whether that's what they call the universe or like science or whatever that looks like um, for each individual. So shifting to that, I guess, first question, do you feel the same way? Do you feel like these kinds of questions have been tied to in some way to like something bigger than yourself yeah for sure and i think for everybody that's a very generalized statement but (laughs) your values are shaped by your higher beliefs whether that is something or nothing but your values and the way you act are at least in part based upon that and i found that the things i value and the purpose i derive from my life and my actions are tied to a greater good, which is Mm. then served by a higher power. Yeah. Yeah. So what does a higher power look like for you? Yeah, good question. Um, (laughs) I I know. And if you don't have, I mean, I don't have a good answer to that mm. question. So this is a... Okay, so I grew up in a Christian family, but I use that loosely. We didn't, we'd go to church growing up, but... I was there because it was Sunday. My parents told me I had to go to church. Right. I wasn't searching for meaning in that, I guess. Yeah. It, until more recently, I guess. But to me, yeah, I think there's a higher power. And I view it that it exists all around me all the time. And that's just how I see things. And I feel yeah. that, especially in more nature-y settings, mm. I find a connection. Maybe it's just the peace I get from that. But I feel that I'm connected to... God in those situations and in those contexts, but mm-hmm. also just in the actions I do if I ground myself 
in knowing that a higher power is within me and all around me mm. and no matter what I do, I feel that I feel one more empowered myself because yeah. I have support from that power that I'm drawing upon, but also it makes me also want to serve it and serve others because yeah. I really view that we're all part of one energy, one source of power. And I don't want to say that's the correct view at just how I sure, view things. Sure, sure. But knowing that I can get power from that, but also give power back to mm. it and to subsequently to others mm-hmm. is what I view and what motivates me. That makes me want to like snap my fingers, which I'm not going to because <laughs> the microphone might be like weird and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, yes. And I think that that is something that for me has just rung so true in terms of my path with spirituality is this like interconnectedness Mm -hmm. between me and other people and the broader world and I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about just a minute ago that developing yourself also develops other people Mm -hmm. one in your interactions with them but also because we're connected even in this like energetic sense um so you're a raised Christian do you feel like you've still adopted some practices from that that like still kind of influence your conception of higher power god i want to say yes but i was thinking about specific examples of how that would but i can't really give any of those but i feel like that i in my family i hold us to be a christian household christian sure and certain members of my family are more grounded in their faith than others but it's that overarching theme of Christianity has yeah. been a driving force in our family development, yeah. I'd say so. Well, and I think also culturally, it's hard mm-hmm. for it not to be since it's yes, the dominant religion definitely. in America mm-hmm. and we go to Texas Christian, Christian. Yeah, University. Yeah, yeah. Or we did go. Ha ha ha. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Scary. Um, yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. So when you started kind of thinking more deeply about those kinds of questions, what do you think influenced that? Was it more of just this search for kind of this fulfillment purpose kind of question and then that just kind of became a part of it, but you've defined it. It sounds like you've really just defined it for yourself based on what feels right for you. Mm. What am, Is that true? Am I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'd like to know kind of about that process. The process of what exactly? I'm sorry. Um, no, that's all right. That was a very confusing way, <laughs> roundabout way of getting there. Um, process of defining your own higher power. Mm, okay. Yeah, so I think the first step was, for me, was taking an active role in the in the whole journey. Mm. And rather, rather than just sitting there and letting things happen or beliefs be believed for no like conscious reason just like accepting things so right for me it was just starting to question things question how i felt in certain contexts and see how that motivated me to act in certain ways i yeah. guess but it's evolved to me just trying to seek connection or do the things that i guess bring me connection to what I feel to be a higher power mm-hmm. and like I said a lot of that's you know spending time with others or yeah being of service to them even in small ways it doesn't have to be you know great grand things all the time for me right. it's just like 
having good conversations with people, spending time outside in nature, nature and just being. Yeah. I always I feel like that's a common thing. Yeah. Like being close to like the natural world and natural creation, but also when I feel when I try to feel like gratitude and use that as a practice, I also feel very connected to things because that allows me to be one with God and what is being done in the world around me. Yeah. So it's just finding the little things that allow me to feel more connected to God and higher powers has enabled me to expand my practice. Mm -hmm. But it's just finding the small things, doing them, and then they evolve over time. Yeah. But... It, yeah. In what feels right for you. Yeah. I I think that's really wonderful. Um, and I think so often it it's just so easy to get swept up in, oh, well, this is like what most people mm-hmm. think. This is what most people do. That it's probably right. And, you know, I think there is a lot of truth in any religion you turn to, right? And I think it's mm-hmm. like there's a reason why so many people yeah. find meaning in things, Definitely. right? And so it's like if that's what you're looking for, that's a pretty good place to start. But I think asking those questions for yourself and really checking in with like, okay, how does that make me feel? It's really important. I think that's a really cool way that you've come to kind of find your own definition and practice of what that looks like. Um this notion of peace, especially that you find in nature, mm. why do you think that is? And I know that's such like an ethereal, vague question, but I would just love to know why you think you get that feeling in nature. Because you're 100% right that a lot of people, mm-hmm. I think, are drawn to nature and to that feeling. But what is that? So on a physiological level, I, th- I don't want to put words in these studies mouths. I don't know if I can say that. That's like all the, right. You, but you, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've read a lot of research and heard people cite the fact that there are chemicals released from plants that mm. into the air that when you breathe them in, when you're in like nature-y settings, that you just feel more, they make you calm and make you feel more just peaceful. Yeah. And so that is one thing that I think might be an explanation. Sure. But... Being in a world that is just created naturally, mm. I think, and it's not, I know a lot of gardens and parks are like maybe like have some sort Man-made. of. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that the things there are natural and living things just like you and I are, mm-hmm. you find, I find peace in the fact that other things are there surviving, living. Surviving is the wrong word, but like living and making the most of their own life, even if they are plants or other animals. It's just peace in the sense that it's a place I can go. I know it's safe. I know it's, I know the one it comforts me, and that's a subjective thing as well. But um, I don't know where I was going with this answer. No, that's fine. I, I think that's super interesting. And even the physiological level, I think, is a really important thing because so many of these things. And it can be boiled down to like like the gratitude practice as well. Like there is research that shows that like mm-hmm. practicing daily gratitude helps your brain produce dopamine and you feel more satisfied, right? Mm-hmm. And that is just like a scientific fact at this point, right? But 
there's also, I feel like this other dimension tied to that that's like, okay, but why does the dopamine release? Why Mm -hmm. does our body react that way when we're in nature? And I think that the science is certainly a part of that, but also because these are natural things, it's like maybe going back to this question of higher power, was that by design? Question mark. Mm, I don't yeah. know. That That's not a suggestion. That's just a thought. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. And you've given me something to ponder. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you were saying, I wonder why that is the case. And I, in a psychology class I took here last year, it was talked about that emotions, whether they're good or bad, are just signs to indicate to you whether or not the thing you're doing, the thing that caused your emotion was good for your survival or not good for your survival. Oh, interesting. And I thought about that for a long time. I was like, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Like when I am feeling down or frustrated about something, it's because, you know, doing the things that frustrate me are probably not good for my survival. That sounds right. harsh, but like they're no, not good No, but like an for... evolution kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. And then, but the things that you do find peace in, which again is a subjective thing. Some people might find peace in one sure. thing, others in another. But whatever you do that brings you peace, it signals that it's good for your happiness, your survival, your yeah. flourishing as a person and as a creature. Yeah. So Well, and then therefore as like a human race. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. So a lot of there are a lot of common denominators, I think, and yeah. that people find to be peaceful for them mm-hmm. that exist across the population. But a lot of the things are just things that bring you personally joy. And if you can find that in nature or in conversation or in time with others, then that's what... Good, it, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That is so interesting because I do think that in a certain sense, we all have this, like, probably instinctual, well, of course, instinctual drive to ask why and question because, of course, yeah. like, we have history showing us that like humans have done that forever and ever and ever Mm -hmm. um but how does that help us survive you know is another question that's like are conversations like these because a conversation like this brings me a lot of joy i'm like does this help me survive and thrive and i'm like i think it really does Mm -hmm. so maybe there is some sort of like if we're comparing like the the science of this right like Mm -hmm. evolutionary drive or call to ask big questions so we can find more fulfillment so we live longer happier healthier Mm. lives yeah and interesting point that i thought of as you're saying that is that if you're we are constantly pursuing things that give us more life more happiness more Mm -hmm. fulfillment like that's all great and grand but there's still the aspect of the negative emotions and yeah. the negative things and it's not all about trying to avoid those necessarily it's about taking them in stride because I think they add value to the positive situations mm. by experiencing something that's not so positive it one acts as like a motivation to then go change your situations change mm. your actions whatever you're doing that maybe led to those negative feelings to be something better Right, and so I don't I think built into our survival mechanism is the fact that there, the negative emotions need to be there to signal to you to maybe change something or even just feel them for a little bit because the way they change your perspective about the positive things and make you feel even more grateful for the positive experiences 
when you do achieve something or reach your goal or just do something little that makes you happy, that becomes so much more valuable because the negatives coexist. Right. That is so interesting. So, I and I think that just makes so much sense to me. Um, but this idea of like the positive and negative coexisting mm-hmm. to bring more dimension. How has that impacted your life? Because I think that in a lot of ways that makes a lot of sense. But then in practice, it's like, this really sucks. And Mm -hmm. you don't think the next time you're happy, you don't think back to that and you're like, man, I'm really, really glad that that really upsetting thing happened because that makes me really grateful right now. Mm -hmm. Even though I do think on some subconscious level, I would agree that that is kind of what's going on. Yeah, tell me more about that. Yeah, so I talked about it before a little bit, but the toxic positivity mm. mindset of just trying to be happy all the time. And I feel like I was I tried to do that too at some point. Yeah, same. But knowing that I feel like for me I use gratitude as a route back from negativity to positivity. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I don't have to do it immediately. Nobody has to do it right. immediately. But just knowing that I have a path back because sometimes in the height of sadness or frustration or overwhelm you just can't see a clear path to things getting better right and for me i've just noticed that if i keep the road of gratitude open i don't have to use it immediately but just Mm. knowing there is a path to get from a place i don't want to be to a place i do want to be in terms of how i'm feeling is so helpful Mm -hmm. and even uh, just like it's possible yeah exactly right because it's just the worst part is when you're in a negative situation, you don't see any path out of yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah. And I feel like that happens too often. Even for me too, that's happened sometimes. But yeah. I just got to remind myself that there is a path back. I can use it when I'm ready, but mm-hmm. there is a way to get back there. And also another interesting, I don't know if this goes off your question or I'm just saying something. Go but for it. An interesting tactic I learned for dealing with negativity is, sounds ridiculous, but sim- to simply allow those feelings to be there mm. instead of trying to resist them because... The most discomfort, and if you think about this, I didn't agree with this at first, then I thought about it. I was like, oh, that's so true. But the most discomfort comes from trying to resist discomfort or resist the things that we don't want to happen. If those things happen, it's just like you deal with them. Right. And normally they're not fatal or yeah. not, yeah. you know. Catastrophic exactly. or whatever, yeah. Yeah, So, but the worst part is the fear and stress of trying to make those things not happen or resist them or force mm. things to go a certain way. So if you move away from the forcing and resisting to more allowing things to happen Mm. that's an interesting perspective shift yeah and i've read about that i've used a little bit and i found it's very interesting because when negative things happen or you're feeling a certain way you can just let that be there not necessarily immediately try to work your way out of the situation and eventually you, you know you have to move to action to do something sure but that doesn't have to be the action doesn't have to be motivated by panic and oh I need to do something now to get out of here it's just right. it's here it's part of life the negative things are and if you don't give them as much attention or energy and it could because resisting and forcing gives the negatives negative things energy yeah. if you just let them be there without necessarily energizing them with your thoughts or attention they come to pass more easily and you I found that I don't focus or dwell on those things as much. Right. And I kind of broaden my perspective to 
then looking towards positive alternatives and things yeah. I can do easily to move away from a mindset of hope rather than forcing something. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I guess, reflecting on that for me in my own life, fear of the negative experiences or the unpleasantness, I think causes a lot of that resistance because it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I've been there before. I know what that feels like. I don't want to go back there. Mm -hmm. But acting from a place of fear is like so rarely going to work. It's never going to work that when you act from this place of like acceptance or gratitude Mm -hmm. even for that moment and it's like, okay, it's going to happen. We're going to be okay eventually. Let it be. Mm-hmm. You can just move through it so yeah. much easier. It's almost like, if I can use an analogy, tell me if I'm misrepresenting what you said. But like, you know how when you have two magnets and they're flipped and so mm-hmm. they're not attracted to each other, but they're yeah. actually pushing against mm-hmm. each other. It's like if you just stop pushing against it, they won't do that anymore. Yeah, right. It's like just stop pushing and then they're fine. That's so interesting. I never thought about that. Never heard that, but that works very well. Okay, I'm, I'm glad. That's yeah. what I was thinking of when you were saying that. I'm glad that that accurately mm-hmm. represented what you were saying. Um, Can I add something? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to make it seem like I have all this stuff figured out and I'm using these every day <laughs> and like I'm just the happiest person ever. Like yeah. I, you mean you're not perfect and you don't have all yeah, this yeah, down yeah. path? I like I worry about things often. I've, yeah, that's been a problem of mine for a while. Just like worrying about useless stuff. But sure. Knowing that there's there's hope, I can do things to mitigate that. You know, I'm never gonna be perfect. That's not a realistic hope, you yeah. know. And just but having tools to work on things and get myself into better situations and better mental states is just something I enjoy doing. Yeah. And the challenges will always be there, but that gives you an opportunity to use these things, use right. the tools. And one more thing, speaking about stress and your magnet situation. Yeah. I guess I. So last summer I worked at this cafe and it would get really busy during lunchtime, for for example. And all the workers there would get stressed. They're just making food in a, in a frenzy. Yeah. But I had a realization one Tuesday morning there that <laughs> an hour from then, from when all the all the uh, orders would come up on the screen, they just keep flooding in, the sure. changes in them. But I'd realize that an hour from now, the stress is going to be done. Yeah. It's you Sure, you have to go through it. For an hour, it might suck and be a lot scary, and yeah. But eventually, that just passes, and that's true of so many things. Like, yeah, I just graduated college. I have somewhat of an idea of what I'm doing next. I right. don't really know, but I know a month from now it'll probably be better. Yeah, even if it's not perfect, then and a month from then it'll be better. So it's just being in the uncomfortable, being okay with that, and then having the perspective that if you keep working with intention of making things better, things will get better. Yeah. And it won't be as stressful or scary. A hundred percent. Going back to your other thing, uh, thank you for sharing all of your insights. And I don't want to misrepresent that like either of us have this all figured out, but I think that talking about it and at least sharing our successes thus far is a good thing. So Mm -hmm. I, yes, I, I think... No, you're not perfect, but I think you're a great example of someone who is asking, at least in my opinion, which also that's subjective, but it, I, for me, I think you're asking the right questions. Um, so it's interesting to talk about it. But then this, the second thing you said about kind of like knowing that things will all pass, mm-hmm. it also gives you this kind of not, 
this perspective on not how meaningless certain things are because it doesn't mean they're meaningless, but mm-hmm. how unimportant certain moments yeah. can be, which gives you more appreciation Definitely. for them because it's like, oh, but they feel so important now. But it's also like, th- this too shall pass. Like, yeah. a- at some point, you are going to be in an entirely different place. Like, yeah. at some point, we're going to be like 80 years old, right. you know? Which is like yeah. kind of trippy to think about. But why in the world would you ever let yourself... Well, why? Because we're humans and it's impossible not to get mm. stressed out and have all of these feelings and emotions. But you're gonna be okay. <laughs> like you were saying, the whole... Like each individual situation is just a tiny blip on the whole journey. Whether that's yeah. your life as a whole or a certain journey within your life. Whether it's your career, relationship, or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I was having a conversation about this yesterday with one of my friends, actually. About how people tend to overvalue individual situations and mm. try to be so perfect in them. And if they don't go well... They beat themselves up, up over it. Right. They get worried about how that's going to affect them in the future. But really, everything's just, it exists here and now, and it only carries on if we let it carry on for the most part yeah. in our minds. But if you can take the perspective of you have this whole journey to eventually succeed and eventually reach where you want to go, you don't have to do that in every situation yeah. currently. And if you can be good or succeed on average rather than in every situation, it opens your which just takes the pressure off, I think. Yeah. It so takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. If it's like, okay, this is going to be like every single moment is slipping away as we have it, right? Yeah. It's like, this does not have to be a perfect moment. Oh, definitely. There yeah. are so many. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if you share this experience, but for the longest time, this idea that like, of like legacy and leaving an impact on the world and wanting to do that but then realizing how insignificant i am and like the timeline of human existence one but also humans have been around for like such a small percentage that the world has even and the universe has been around Mm -hmm. um that it's kind of like my impact isn't going to do anything and for the longest time that like really upset me because i was like but i want to leave an impact i want to do something meaningful and important but then i was like well you know that kind of takes the pressure off because if I don't, mm-hmm. I, it, it doesn't matter. Even mm-hmm. though it does matter, yeah. does that make sense? It does. I don't. I don't. I'd love to hear what you think about that. It. I have an anecdote first. Do it. So our lovely boss, colleague, friend Cedric. Lovely James, Cedric James. Yes, he in our life design class. He was talking about how we're meant to only die once not twice have you heard this yeah, yeah about yeah. how you die twice like you die when you die but also you die again when people stop thinking, thinking about, about you about or you. remembering you but he said we're only meant to die once because if we leave a legacy that carries on through generations whether that's just in our ideas the work we've done to inspire others that allows what we've done to make a long lasting difference mm-hmm. i thought about that a lot i like that a lot but yeah it does add some pressure to do great things to do these amazing things but i thought about this too about how if you were to do great things but on a lesser level say you just brighten someone's day and do that right day in and day out you got to think about the effect that 
sets in motion. Because yeah. if you brighten someone's day 1%, and do that every day, some point, some of that happiness that you added is going to then carry into their lives and give it to somebody else. And down the line, yeah. and I don't know what point that, you know, each individual happiness right. strand fizzles out. Yeah. But Well, and how do you quantify that? Exactly. You don't. And it's not even worth trying to. But right. just trusting the fact that the small things you do, or anything, any size thing you do, yeah. will have an impact. And you don't have to try to make that go a million years in the future. You just have to do it. Yeah. You know, and do it on yeah. a small scale and let the good carry on because it will. A hundred percent. And I think that this is also like, um, one, balancing these two things of like really wanting to make an impact, but also realizing that like there's only so much you can do and you shouldn't put all this pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of just this balancing game between those two things of like being a good person, but like don't kill yourself trying to like yeah. be perfect. Um, but also I think it ties a little bit into like what's your definition of your impact and of your legacy. Cause I could also see the argument of like you brightened someone's day a little bit that changed the trajectory of that day, which changed the trajectory of their next day. And how many people do they then impact and Mm -hmm. do those people impact? So your legacy really is infinite once you're gone because the energy you put out keeps, even though maybe it's being subverted or um, transmuted into something else or for someone else or with something else, it is still like a chain reaction from what you began. Mm -hmm. And how much is legacy tied to someone knowing it was you or not? Right. It's like, how much does that matter? What are you saying? And I just thought of this now, but the happiness you give others, the joy you give others, was probably in some part inspired by somebody that gave it to you. How much you know? was it even you to begin with? And you don't need, but the thing is, you don't even know where that came from. You don't have to know where it came from. It's just the fact that somebody, through their ideas, their words, their. somebody that's, you know, long gone, that leaves yeah. some sort of book you read that inspires you to do something it's just amazing things like that that, that exist behind you you can then put forward into your life right. into others lives so generations from now some part of that still exists and carries on and pushes forward yeah so i interesting completely agree and it, it's almost like this huge cycle yeah then right of Definitely. energy that's just like being passed to and from different people which i mm-hmm. think goes back to what you were talking about earlier with us all being connected to this higher power and the energy that of that that lives within all of us. It's like this exchange. Yeah, and once again, I just thought of this on the spot. But no, I love that. The, Keep like, coming. The people that tend to be of the joyous nature have that cycle going for them, but they surround themselves with similar people that mm. also are like that, also accept that and try to do that in their lives. Yeah. And... People aspire to be positive more than negative, I would you'd think. There probably yeah. be some exceptions out there. But sure. <laughs> uh, by being a source of joy, others will be attracted to you and you mm-hmm. can kind of grow the circle of or grow the cycle and the people within that cycle that are experienced positivity and trying to expand that too. Yeah. So it's not only a positivity is not only a way to help others. Well, it's you can do that through the cycle, but also getting other people into the cycle. Yeah. Into the beneficial cycle. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's almost like, um, <laughs> this sounds kind of weird, but it's like proselytizing mm. positivity. Yeah, which and is like weird, but not bad. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah, not, yeah. not in like yeah. a weird, malicious yeah. way. But like, 
if you have no idea if you're changing someone's life by like holding a door open or smiling, like mm-hmm. those are like the silly examples everyone uses, right? But what that might do to all the people in their lives mm-hmm. that this cycle kind mm-hmm. of happens and takes yeah. shape. I've tried to live by this. I say try because it's hard to do in every situation. But oh, yeah. if you can make the other person in every interaction feel better about themselves, mm. like in every interaction, whether it's just in a tiny way, you can inspire them, you can tr- like let them know about their own potential or just make them feel important in some way. Yeah. That's because I think that's an actual way to do all this. Like, how do you spread this cycle of positivity? It doesn't have to be, like we were saying, incredible things. It can be one comment about how they have potential or something about yeah. how they matter to you. Something just doing that, saying it one time to them, probably spark a, in their minds, like, oh, wow, that's really meaningful. I appreciate that. And then, yeah. like, wow, like, if you speak positivity into them, they're going to embody those qualities. If you give them. If you give them confidence in their own ability to succeed or be who they want to be or uphold a certain value, right. it's like, wow, they, I can do this. Yeah. They start to think that. and then Well, and someone yeah. once had to do that for you. Yeah, precisely. Right. No, and I think that's a really lovely, lovely thing is like wanting every single person you come into contact with to leave better, more mm-hmm. full than when they first... Yeah, hard to do in every situation, but sure. knowing that if you are able to do that occasionally it just has a great effect too yeah absolutely and this just kind of idea of like wanting i i catch myself so often caring so much about what other people think which then puts me back in my own head and thinking about myself in a situation and not okay how am i impacting other people And I think that Mm. walking into it with this intention of making other people feel good about themselves, again, like takes the pressure kind of off of you of like being the cool person that you want to be, but also gives you kind of a directive, like you said, this actionable step to move forward of really doing these things and practicing these things, Um, but a way to do it in a really practical way mm-hmm. while getting out of your own head. Yeah. It's like, it really shouldn't matter what other people think. And I think um, like a while ago, there's there's a couple times and instances that I think of where I'm like, I was just so worried about what other people thought that I put people down because I'm like, oh, well, they're really excited about this thing, but is that thing nerdy? Should I be like, oh, well, yeah, duh. Or should I be like, yeah, that's really cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And with this mindset, it's like, obviously you should take the, that's awesome. Yeah. So happy for you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm rambling now. I think that's a really wonderful thing. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, it's good to hear the all those stories and ideas that flow because as we're talking, like new things, new ideas yeah. pop up in my mind. So it's a good learning experience too, talking like this. <laughs> I'm so glad. No, I love talking about stuff like this. It's so important I think to do because it also challenges you even though Mm -hmm. I think we align on a lot of things it's still good to kind of be pushed um awesome I feel like this was so fruitful for me personally I've thought about so many things um as we're nearing the end of our conversation um a couple more questions okay one you already shared a little bit about your tools and like daily practices and kind of stuff like that. 
Is there anything else like that or like a piece of advice that you've been given or like a quote from maybe one of your favorite self-care books that is just like, you're like, I need to share this. Like, this is something that maybe we haven't touched on yet that you're like, I, I want to put this out there. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about gratitude, but I just think personally that's been the most profound tool in changing everything I've been able to do and also the way I feel for a lot yeah. of things. And there is one quote from the book called The Science of Success by Wallace Waddles. I've read it several times. Um, that's kind of an epic name, right? Wallace Waddles. Yeah, exactly. But it, the quote is, the entire process of mental adjustment and atonement can be summed up in one word, gratitude. And, you know, I thought about that. So that's a bold statement, right? Yeah, it uh, is. Gave me goosebumps, though. Yeah, right? Because it's like, it sounds powerful. Yeah, yeah. But thinking about that, using gratitude to, like I said, as a path from negativity to positivity and also to increase your appreciation for the good things that are already in your life, big or small, gratitude is my favorite tool that I've used. And yeah. if someone asked me for a singular tool to make them feel better in a situation or if something I'd give a piece of advice it would just be honing on your gratitude practices and mm. conjure up more of that during your day I love that conjure up gratitude that's sounds, a really lovely way of putting that conjure sounds like a bad word to use sounds there. like magic. create more create. Gra- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah whatever I word think, you want to use yeah I love that I think that that's really powerful um yeah so Anything else, just I want to make sure that you're feeling good, you like kind of anything that you want to add that like will put a bow on this or that you were like, we did not talk about this and given the conversation we've had that you think is important. One last thing to share. Do it. And I think it ties into a lot of things we were saying, but leaning into discomfort is Mm. such a way to grow. Perhaps one of the only ways to grow that sounds bad but no but if there are things that make you uncomfortable in life whether it's learning about yourself in certain ways thinking about how things make you feel or doing something that's scary whether it's maybe like you don't want to give a speech in front of people yeah but you have the ability to lean into those things still and by doing that in small ways you don't have to go if you're scared of pies you don't want to jump out of an airplane right first. but like <laughs> just leaning into things that make you uncomfortable will lead to insights, will lead to growth, will lead to just more confidence in your ability to succeed and be who you want to be. So, yeah, discomfort is a good thing. And being able to, you have to make the active choice to lean into those situations Mm. rather than avoid them. Because if you avoid them, you kind of confine what you're able to do in life. If you are scared of something, you keep avoiding it, you narrow in your box right yeah and I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier too about um pushing away negative feelings Mm. or embracing them yeah um very uncomfortable thing to do but right but an important thing and I think it (laughs) to tie back to our our magnet opposite sides of the magnet metaphor if you're pushing against something you're also keeping it close to you Mm. because you're wanting that thing to push against yeah but if you're not actively pushing against something it's so much easier for mm-hmm. it to be let go. Yeah, definitely. So, I love good. that. I think that's really important. Um, final question. Okay. Going back to the first question I asked. Um, now, post-conversation. Mm-hmm. 
what is one word you would use to describe how you feel right now? You started with content. How are you feeling now? I don't know if I can use one word. I feel... You don't have to. That's, that's, a, that's a, high, a high ask. I feel both inspired and enlightened. Because... <laughs> that's so lovely. <laughs> no, thank you for having me on this conversation because, one, we talked about so many good things. Yeah. And a lot of the things I've said for the first time now, I didn't think about this prior, but I've learned a lot. That's, what's, that's why I'm enlightened right now. But also, there's just so much good advice and good learning from each other in this situation. Yes. So I feel inspired to use that, but also keep thinking about these things. Keep using these practices and seeing where they take us because it's really awesome. And I think you're doing something awesome with this podcast. Oh, I so love sweet, this. Devin. Like conversations like this with others to learn about them and what they're doing too. There's just a lot of ways to gather meaningful information from people. I 100% agree. Um, Yes, this has also been inspiring and enlightening for me. I feel like anytime we have conversations like this, I learn something new, which I love. And yeah, I'm so grateful for the time you took to share this with me. Um, Being just like a wonderful colleague and coworker to take literally like over an hour to talk Mm -hmm. with me about stuff that we don't have to talk about. It's fun though. It it is. And it does fill me up. So one, thank you for giving your time and energy to this conversation and to me and supporting my endeavors. Um, But also thank you for sharing it with the microphone and hopefully whoever tunes in and hears it. Many, many people. Yeah. We're going to put that out to the universe. Absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Devin. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening today. If you want more of Nevin, head to his Instagram at Nevin underscore DeCrew or his website, www.nevindecrew.com. If you want more info about today's episode, head to thecoherecollective.com and click on blog. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can subscribe to our newsletter on thecoherecollective.com so you never miss another episode. For updates on all of our stuff, follow us on Instagram at The Cohere Collective. And you can follow me on Instagram at Lillian Reese Brown. Making Meanings theme music is by Podington Bear. And if you feel so inclined, feel free to leave an honest review or rating. It helps me reach the people who will resonate with my content and hopefully reach my goal of making the world a better place. Sharing the pod is also a great way to start conversations with important people in your life and maybe gain a deeper connection there. Right now, I'm feeling driven. I really feel like these last couple of weeks have been an interesting push for me and getting some of this content out there without officially launching yet. And I'm just really excited to keep pushing and keep sharing my passions with y'all. It really excites me and I'm ready to keep going. So thank you for being here. I hope you feel like you're living more coherently. I'll catch y'all next time. Love.